0: Whenever you're seated, if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to begin in verse 2. We're talking about going from devastation to restoration. And I'm asking you to draw upon the anointing to teach tonight. Amen? Amen. That it's the truth, the the enlightenment of God's Word that straightens things up in our life. And I want all that God has for us. Don't you? Amen. I don't want to leave anything on the table. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to give learning your best tonight. And I'm going to give learning my best tonight. And we're going to let the, the teacher teach us tonight. Because we know he always gives his best. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 2 in the Amplified. And shall return to the Lord your God and obey His voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your mind and heart and with all your being. Then, say then. then. The Lord your God will restore your fortunes. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. Hallelujah. Then... The Lord your God will restore your fortune. Now, our job in verse 2 is to return to the Lord and obey his voice, right? Amen. So that's a simple adjustment. If you haven't uh, been going after the Lord the way that you, you know you should, just simply make an adjustment on the inside of you right now and return. Amen. It's as quick as that. Then it says God's desire. See, when we see God's word, we see God's desire, Amen. right? And his desire is that the Lord our God will restore our fortunes. That's God's desire. Say, that's God's desire. Now, you know, we've been discovering that restoration, when God restores something, it always means to improve, to multiply, to increase, and make better. That God just doesn't bring us back to our original place. It's always to improve, increase, multiply, and make better. It's always to improve, increase, multiply, and make better. What is that area of your life that you can see right now because it's important for us to see as far as we can see. And as we grab a hold of what we can see, the Holy Spirit will take us beyond what we're seeing right now. So what can you see that needs restored in your life? Maybe it's because of medical issues. Your your family has been robbed financially. Maybe... Uh, Because whatever the case may be, what area have you been stolen from? And then let's see God's desire. What is God's desire? That He restores, multiplies, increase, makes better, improves our fortunes. So not only is He bringing back our fortunes, but He's multiplying it, increasing it, making better, and improving it. Amen? Amen? Psalms 126. Verse 1 says, When the Lord brought back the captives who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream, and it seemed so unreal. Then were our mouths filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Let's say that the Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us. Great is who God is and great things is what he does. Hallelujah. Great things is what he does. Oh, man. I was in a meeting one night and I was teaching on the greatness of God and this lady had had a wreck and she had uh, ran into a telephone pole and it shoved uh, part of the telephone pole in her skull um, and the doctors weren't able to remove it out of her skull and you could feel it Um, upon her head, and I was teaching great is who God is, and great things is what he does. That's just who he is. That's what he likes to do, what we've learned from Pastor, right? It's just what he likes to do, and and as I was teaching, the anointing of God was so strong, and the Lord had me just walk up to this lady, and I laid my hand right on her head, and as I was teaching on great is who God is, and great things is what he does, that wood in her skull dissipated under the anointing of God, because great is who God is, and great things is what He does. Somebody needed to hear that tonight. Great is who God is, and great things is what He does. I don't want to get stuck there, unless the Lord wants us to get stuck there, but we're going to. (laughs) Great is who God is, and great things is what He does. The Lord does great things for me. Say that. The Lord does great things for me. Say it again. The Lord does great things for me. That's part of restoration. As great as who God is, and great things as what He does. And in verse four, it says, "Turn to freedom, our captivity, and restore our fortunes." Say, restore. restore. See, God's desire is restoration, taking us from devastation, which means to run or to destroy or to overwhelm or to overpower. That's the enemy's desire: is to run, to kill, steal, and destroy. Correct but God's desire is restoration. God is wanting to take us from captivity to restoration. He's wanting to take us from hindrance to restoration. He's wanting to take us from devastation to restoration. Say, restore. Restore. But in order for us to experience restoration, you and I, we have got to get to the place where we are fed up. And I know Brother Vic taught last week on the "The devil's time is up and how important it is for us to get fed up, right? But in order for us to take back what the enemy has stolen, we have to see that it is God's desire to restore. Hallelujah! Yes. Not just for some people in the body of Christ, but all. of us in the body of Christ. And as we go through this series, we'll see in Acts chapter 3 how it's a must that this takes place in the body of Christ in order for Jesus to return. The Bible says that all heaven uh, retains Jesus until times of complete restoration takes place in the body of Christ. Say, that's me. me. God's desire
1: desire
0: is to restore restore my life. life. God's desire desire is is to restore My life. life. What does that look like for you? Not as it. What does it look like for somebody else? But you've got to start seeing what that looks like for you. God's desire is to restore my life. Restore, multiply, increase, improve, and make better. God's desire is to restore my life. See, God is wanting to raise up an army of believers who will march into the enemy's camp and take back everything Satan has stole from us—the body of Christ. And one of the ways that the enemy holds the body of Christ down is through deception. And one of the ways that we stay in deception is through a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. See, if we don't know that it's our right to walk in health and healing, what happens? We stay sick. Right. If we don't know it's our right to walk in prosperity, we stay broke. If we don't know it's our right to walk in deliverance, we stay in bondage. But whenever the word comes forth and light comes forth, what happens? Truth comes into our life, and it's the truth that makes us free. Go with me to John chapter 8, and I know you know this scripture right here, but it's important for us to put our eyes upon it. So truth... The Word of God is what brings light. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, And Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make us free. In verse 36, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So Jesus is talking to the people who believe. Is that you? Yes. Do you qualify whenever we see that it's God's desire to restore? We have a choice to believe. So in order for me to walk in restoration, I've got to choose to believe in restoration. Hold your place there. Go with me to Matthew chapter 9, I believe it is. And I don't know if I had this scripture down on my my notes. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. So when we see that it's God's will to restore, we have a decision to believe. Say, I believe. I believe. We're believers, right? That's what we do is we believe that it's God's will to restore our life. We believe it's God's will to improve our life. We believe it's God's will to turn our captivity and restore our fortunes. We believe that it's God's will to multiply our life, to increase our life, to make our life better. It's God's will to restore. Say restore. Restore. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. And Jesus passed on from there, and two blind men followed him, shouting loudly, Have pity and mercy upon us, son of David." And when he reached the house and he went in, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Now, who was Jesus telling that the truth would make them free? He was talking to the people who chose to believe. Not to the people that just heard with their flaps but the people who chose to believe. See, when we see the Word of God, we have a choice and a decision whether I'm going to believe the Word of God, whether it's salvation, uh, whether it's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's protection, whatever it is. But we've we've already learned the ABCs of faith, so to say, right? When we see the Word of God, we agree with the Word of God. When we agree with the Word of God, we choose to believe the Word of God. C, we confess the Word of God. D, we do the Word of God. E, we expect the Word of God. Right? We can just keep going down the list. But when we see the Word of God, choose to agree with the Word of God. When you see the Word of God, choose to believe the Word of God. When you see the Word of God, choose to confess the Word of God. Amen. Amen. And right here, these two now, talking about being fed up, if you have to be at a place to be fed up, uh, of being fed up whenever you're blind and you're trying to follow somebody. Because whenever you're fed up, if you're shy, you become unshy. If you're fed up and they tell you that praying will help, what do you do? You pray. If you're fed up and they tell you tithing will help, what do you do? You tithe. If you're fed up and they tell you going to church will help, what do you do? You go to church. When you're fed up, you're willing to do things that maybe not everybody else is willing to do. And you have two blind men following somebody. They are fed up. And what does Jesus say? Do you believe that I'm able to do this? What is the Father saying to you and I about restoration? Going from devastation to restoration. He's saying, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Not for somebody else, but for you. Do you believe that God is able to restore your life? Do you believe that God is able to restore your life? Do you believe that God is able to restore your life? Why do I keep saying this? Because I'm, I, I'm, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're going to believe you more than you believe anybody else. And it's important for you to hear it coming out of your mouth that it is God's will to restore my life. Amen. It is God's will to restore my family. It is God's will to restore financially. It is God's will to restore my body. It is God's will to restore my business. It is God's will to restore. I say restore. Can you sense how the environment is changing just by the words that are coming out of your mouth? Yes. Restore. Restore. Yes. But you've got to get fed up. We've got to get fed up in order for us to walk in restoration. Now go with me to the right. John chapter 10. Very familiar scripture, but we're going we're to look at it. John chapter 10, verse 10. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. This is a scripture most of you probably know, but it's important for us. Now, we're locating what God's desire is, which is that is of restoration. Right here we locate verse 10. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes only... In order to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Who's the one stealing? Who's the one killing? Who's the one destroying? Thief. Okay, thief. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31. He's a thief. Say, he's a thief. he's a thief. He's a jerk. Oh, well, you don't have to say that. That's Johnson paraphrase, right? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 31. Yet when he has found out, he must restore. Who's he talking about? He's talking about a thief. Verse 30, men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is hungry. But if he has found out, he must restore seven times what he stole. He must give the whole substance of his house if necessary to meet his fine. So we see the devil is the one who kills, steals, and destroys, right? He is the thief. So we've, we've got to identify who has, who has been stealing, killing, and destroying in the body of Christ. Satan has warehouses full of lands and buildings and finances and resources that he has stole from the body of Christ. But if we don't identify who the thief is, it's hard for us to go in and take back what is ours. But if we know he's the thief, right here, who does the, the writer of Proverbs tell us? What does he tell us that he must do? The one who stole, what does he have to do? Restore what? Restore what? Sevenfold. So you see in the Bible, and we've covered some of this, you see it go from a twofold to a sevenfold. Whenever the enemy has to restore and repay, it's either twofold up to sevenfold. So the enemy is the one that has to repay. He must restore sevenfold. Go with me to Genesis 27. Restore, say restore so we see that it's God's will to restore our life, right? It's God's will to do great things in our life. Great is who God is. Great things is what He does. Restore. Say restore. Restore. So we've identified, okay, the thief is the one who has been killing, stealing, and destroying. It's God's desire that we walk in complete restoration. So if we've been over here in devastation, which means to run, to overwhelm, to overpower, God's wanting to take us from over here to over here. His desire is for us to walk in restoration. And right here, he gives us insight of how this is going to take place. Verse 40, Genesis 27, verse 40. And this is when um, Isaac is telling Esau after Jacob had stolen the birthright from Esau. And Esau's ticked. This is what Isaac the father tells him right here. It says, By your sword you shall live and serve your brother. But the time shall come when you will grow restive and break loose and you shall tear his yoke from off your neck. I want to read it again. By your sword you shall live and serve your brother, the deceiver. But the time shall come. The time shall come when... You will grow restive and break loose, and you shall tear his yoke from off your neck. The time shall come. He says, if you keep living by the sword, a time is coming that you're going to grow restive and restless, and you're going to get fed up, and you're going to tear the yoke from off of your neck. The time shall come. The time shall come when he refers to the sword. What is, he, what is he referring to? The word of God. You keep applying the word of God, the word always grows. And you. the word grows to such a point that you can't hold back what God is birthing on the inside of you. A mom can't hold that baby in. No, no matter how much she wants to hold it in, when it's time for the thing to come out, the thing is coming out because it's grown to full capacity, right? And it says, whenever... And hopefully, women, that didn't bother you when I said the thing, the baby, the him or her. You you with me? I want you to stay on track with me. Oh, bless the Lord. I can't believe he called it a thing. (laughs) And so right here, the dad is saying, when you live by the sword. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, let's look at that. When he's talking about the armor of God. I want us to see something here. What does that mean when we live by the sword? In verse 17, Ephesians chapter 6, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, over here in uh, verse 14, it talks about, uh, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, Now, let's think, okay, how... How do we get to the point that we're fed up? He says, if you keep living by the sword. Now, in order for us to live by the sword, we're living by the Word of God, correct? Now let's kind of paint a picture here of what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 6 when he's talking about the armor of God. And he says, put on the whole armor of God. Don't just put on part of the armor. Don't just put on the helmet. Don't just put on the sword. Don't just put on your, your shoes. Don't just put on the loin belt. He says, put on the whole armor of God. And, and in the writings, in, in the Greek language right here, it's not a suggestion. This is the greatest command with the strongest voice that that Paul is saying. It's time for the body of Christ to put it on. Put on all of it because you're designed to win. Put on all of it because you're designed to overcome. Put on all of it because you're designed to conquer. Put on all of it. And right here, Isaac is telling Esau, if you will keep living by the sword, you will grow restive. You will grow restless. You will get fed up and you will tear the yoke that has been holding you down. You'll tear off your neck because you grew restless because you are living by the sword. Now, this word sword here is very interesting in verse 17 because there were different types of swords that the Roman soldiers fought with. Whenever they first started out, they had these big long swords that it took two hands to fight with these swords. And when they'd go into battle, only one side of the sword was sharp. And so it would take them a lot of might and a lot of oomph to swing the sword. But if they, if they didn't have it just right, it would hit the, their enemy with the dull side. And it would bruise them, but it wouldn't wound them and take them down like they wanted it to be. And so they used these swords until one time an enemy came in and they had shorter swords which were easier to fight with. And there were five different swords that they had at that time. But when Paul begins to locate what the sword of the Spirit is, he is referring to a sword that was about 19 inches uh, ...long, about two and a half inches wide... ...and it was sharp on both sides... ...and the front of it, the tip of it was tipped up... ...so whenever they stuck it in and lifted it up... ...it would pull the insides of the enemy out. Paul was not talking about the knife they got down at yeah. Seven <laughs> Eleven, Because there's a difference between the belt of truth... And the sword of the spirit. When Paul begins to tell us. Now, now picture whenever he's, he's, he's connected to a Roman soldier. For most of his imprisonment. And he begins to paint a picture of this warrior. And the Holy Spirit begins to reveal to him. This is what you and I look like in the spiritual realm. And he starts not with the helmet. He doesn't start with the shoes. He starts with the belt. It seems so uncommon. Uh, you know, I show up and I see you looking nice. I don't say, man, that's a nice looking belt you got there. And most time we'll start with the shirt or the tie or the jacket or something like that. But Paul starts with the belt because he's showing us that without the belt of truth around our armor our armor will come undone because without the belt of truth around our breastplate of righteousness, whenever you're in battle, that breastplate will begin to flap and it will eventually come off. If the belt of truth is not on, the word of God is not a key part of our life. We lose our sense of righteousness. We're running in battle and we lose our sense of righteousness. Without the belt of truth we lose our sense of peace. Without our belt of truth, we don't have anything to hook our shield of faith on or the sword of our spirit. Because on the, the loin belt, it was designed to protect the reproductive organs. Without the truth, there is no reproduction of His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Without the belt of truth, there's no, no sword of the spirit. The sword of the Spirit was designed for up-close personal combat. Yes. Right. The belt of truth is the Logos, the written Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Rhema, which is the written Word of God quickened and made alive because the Holy Spirit is not going to speak anything contradictory to the written Word of God. And a lot of times people want the sword of the Spirit to fight with, but they don't have their belt of truth on. And the more the belt of truth is a part of our daily armor, our dressing, the more we can set ourselves up to have the Rama, the sword of the Spirit. Now picture this. Notice this sword. When he says... ...when you live by the sword... ...you're gonna grow restive. In other words... ...you're gonna get to the point... ...you keep hearing the word... ...and you keep doing the word... ...the word is growing. You keep hearing the word... ...you keep doing the word... ...the word is growing. You keep hearing the word... ...you keep doing the word... ...the word is growing. You keep hearing the word... ...and you keep doing the word... ...the word is growing. You keep hearing the word... ...and... ...doing the word... ...the word is growing. You keep hearing the word... ...and... ...the word is... ...the word is growing. Whenever the word is growing... ...you begin to see... When I'm hearing the word and doing the word, I begin to see the word of God being done on earth as it is in heaven i begin to see who i am in christ jesus i begin to see what is mine in christ jesus i begin to see myself as an overcomer i begin to see myself as more than a conqueror i begin to see myself as the hill of the lord i begin to see myself as prosperous i begin to see myself as victorious when i hear the word and do the word the word is growing and i begin to see what is mine and when you see what is yours and you see who has been holding it back then you're not going to stay where you're at you're going to Go in and take back what the devil has stole from you. Revelation chapter 1 verse 16. It says that Jesus has the sword. And where is the double-edged sword coming out of? It's not in his hand. It's out of his mouth. Now see this for a moment. Whenever God speaks the word to us, that's one side of the blade that's sharp. But when it comes out of your mouth, now it's the other side that's sharp. Hallelujah. Now it's two-edged. Because it's powerful coming from God, but on earth, it's powerful coming through you. Amen. And it says whenever you live by the sword, you will grow restive, and you will grow restless, and you will get fed up, and you will tear the yoke off of your neck. Because of the word that comes to... Remember Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, The word of God is sharp and quicker and powerful than any two-edged sword coming. Picture this, coming from God. When I hear the word coming from God, it's sharp on one side. But when I begin to see, because when I hear and do, I begin to... Begin to see when I hear and do the word, I begin to see, I see, I see, I begin to see the word is coming. I hear what God is saying. I'm applying what God and I start seeing certain things in my life and I start saying what God tells me to say. Now I put the edge on the other side of the sword and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you with me? Amen. Whenever we hear the word and do the word, the word is growing. Whenever we hear the Word and do the Word, the Word is growing. Whenever we hear the Word and do the Word, the Word is growing. Whenever we hear the Word and do the Word, the Word is growing. pastor's been teaching for months now, when you stay in the process, the Word is growing. And you will get to the point that you're fed up. We will get to the point that we're fed up. And we're not going to settle for anything less than God's best. Amen? Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. So I'm glad I came tonight. Now a lot of times people, I know we've mentioned this before, they're they're too polite to the devil. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Whenever we submit our life to God, we resist the devil, and he flees from us, right? 1 Samuel chapter 30, you see, How David got fed up. In verse 1 it says, Now when David and his men came home to Ziklag, on the third day they found that the Amalekites had made a raid on the south of Nijib, and on Ziklag, and had struck Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women and all who were there, both great and small, captive. They killed no one, but carried them off and went on their way. So David and his men came to their town, and behold, it was burned And their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. And David and the men with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinnom and the Jezreelite and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed, for the men spoke of stoning him, because the souls of them all were bitterly grieved, each man of his sons and his daughters. But... David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Whenever you get fed up, we've got to make the choice to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Nobody else is going to encourage us. Don't wait on anybody else to encourage you. You've got to look yourself in the mirror and encourage yourself that yeah. God wants to restore yeah. my life. God wants to improve yeah. my life. God wants to multiply, yeah. increase, make better my life, my business, my family, my calling. My, so God is wanting to do great things in my life. Amen. Yes, we see the power in Job chapter 42, verse 10, when he prayed for his friends. And you need to pray for our the partners here and the members of this church. It says that, Um, He walked in twice as much as he prayed for his friends. That's a key part of walking in restoration is praying for other people's restoration. Pray for your friends, your family, their restoration. But right here you see David encouraged himself in the Lord. Verse 7, David said to Abathar the priest... Um, Amalek's son, I pray you bring me the ephod, and Abathar brought him the ephod, and David inquired of the Lord. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? The Lord answered him, Pursue, you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So when David encouraged himself in the Lord, these are things that we can do, right? We've already seen when we see it in the Word of God, we agree with the Word of God, we believe the Word of God, we confess the Word of God. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You've got to encourage yourself that God wants to restore you. God wants to restore your mind. God wants to restore your body. God wants to restore your family. Restore, say restore. He wants to, we've got to encourage ourselves. And he inquired of the Lord. See, David had realized it was the enemy that stole from his family. It was the enemy that had burned his town. It was the enemy that had killed, steal, and destroyed, right? And he encouraged himself in the Lord. And he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue, overtake, and recover recover all? And what did God say? I do want you to pursue. I do want you to, to overtake. And I do want you to recover all. And you see in verse 16 here, they had found a man that was a part of um, the enemy's family. And he was, you know, they left him behind because he got sick. Well, they found him. They fed him back up. They said, who who do you belong to? And the guy told him. And the guy said, man, if you don't turn me in, he says, I'll show you where they're at. So he leads them. and, And I believe that this is prophetic, that it's important for us to be open for God to lead us, to show us where... The areas are that we've been stolen from. Yes. And look what happens here in, in verse 16. And when he had brought David down, behold, the raiders were spread over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Verse 17. And David smote them from twilight evening to the evening of the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 youths who rode camels and fled. Verse 18, and David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, sons or daughters, spool or anything that had been taken. David recovered all. Say, recovered all. And also, David captured all the flocks and herds which the enemy had, and the people drove those animals before him and said, This is David's spoil. So he encouraged himself in the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. He said, Lord, do I pursue? Do I overtake? Do I recover all? The Lord said, Yes, you pursue, you overtake, you recover all. And what did David do? He pursued, he overtook, and he recovered all. He identified the enemy. He identified what had been taken, and he went and pursued it. I believe that's what God's raising up in us, the body of believers, that yes. because we keep hearing the word and doing the word. The word is growing. We've grown to the point where we are restless and we are restive and we are fed up with all the things the enemy has stole from us and the sword is not only coming one-sided from God, but we're applying the sword and we're sticking it in close combat yes. and, and winning. Yes. Now go to Mark chapter 5. You see David got fed up. Sam so I'm getting fed up. Say, I am fed up. I'm fed up. I'm fed up. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. And there's a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but instead grew worse. Now look at this for a moment. A woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. Who had endured much suffering under the hands of many physicians. Much suffering. And had spent all she had. And was no better. But instead she grew worse. In other words she was doing what the world told her to do. Verse 27. She had heard. Say heard. heard. The reports concerning Jesus. She heard the reports concerning Jesus. How does faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what is God's desire? What have we heard that God's desire is? That God restores our life. It's God's desire. That's the report. That God's desire is to take us from devastation to restoration. So we've got to continually be hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we've heard that God's desire is to restore, right? She heard the reports concerning Jesus, and she came up behind him in the throng and touched his garment. For she kept saying, if I only touch his garment, I shall be restored. She kept, what? She kept saying. She kept saying. See, when you're fed up you're willing to press through the crowd because if she would have got caught out at that time, she would have been stoned and killed because of the issue of blood that she had because she was considered unclean, but when you get fed up, you don't care what the rules are. When you get fed up, you're willing to do stuff that everybody else says you can't do. When you get fed up, you're willing to think in new ways. When you get fed up, you're willing to believe where it, says, oh, it seems odd to everybody else, but when you get fed up, you're willing to step out of the boat. When you get fed up, you're willing to dip in the river. When you get fed up, you're willing to tell the Son to stand still. When you get fed up, you're willing to lift your hands. When you don't feel like lifting your hands, when you get fed up, you're willing to praise. And everybody else is saying, shh, oh, shh. Sh-. You, 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 you're being undignified. When you get fed up, you don't give a rip what people think. There you go. There you go. When you get fed up. Amen. But what did she do? She kept hearing. What do we keep doing? Keep hearing that it's God's will to restore. She kept saying, if I only touch His garment, I shall be restored. She kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, she kept saying, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Psalms 45 verse 1 says, your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Proverbs 3 says, your heart is the tablet. When you're saying what's happening, the Holy Spirit is taking God's promise and he's writing it on your heart. And out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Out of your heart flows the issues of life. You hear You believe, you say, restore. Hold your place there. Go to Isaiah 42. Restore, restore. What does it look like for God to restore your life? I want you to open your mouth and start speaking to that area. Restore, I declare restore into my physical body, restore into my finances, restore into my family. Get fed up with the family being the drug cycle going through your family, the lack cycle going through your family, the cancer cycle going through your family. We are redeemed from the curse of the law, Jesus Christ being made a curse for us, for it is written, that's a sword coming out of your mouth, it is written, curses every man who hangs on the tree. Isaiah 42, now we saw this a few weeks ago, verse 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. I now declare, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Go over to verse 18. Hear you, O deaf, and look you blind, that you may see. Who is blind but my servant Israel, or deaf like the messenger whom I send? Who is blind like the one who is at peace with me, who has been admitted to covenant relationship with me? Yes, who is blind like the Lord's servant? Verse 20. You have been many things, but you do not observe or apprehend their true meaning. You hear, your ears are open, but he hears not. It was the Lord's pleasure for his righteousness sake in accordance with a steadfast and constant purpose. To magnify instruction. To magnify instruction. It's the Lord's pleasure to magnify instruction and revelation and to glorify them. See, when God magnifies instruction and revelation, it glorifies us, His body. Amen. Because it's only through revelation that we go from where we're at to where God wants us to be. Amen. And it says it's the Lord's good pleasure. It's, it's, it goes in alignment with His consistent purpose that He magnifies instruction, that He magnifies revelation, that He magnifies what He's wanting to do. In other words, He's putting His magnifying glass on what He's wanting to do in the body of Christ, and His desire is restore... Multiply, increase, make better, improve, restore. What does that look like in your life? In order for us to see it correctly, we've got to start looking through the magnifying glass with the Lord to magnify His will on earth as it is in heaven. Days of heaven on earth. When we look through the magnifying glass of His Word and we start seeing our life restored, our finances restored, our bodies restored, our churches restored. And He goes on. And in verse... Twenty two, but this is a people robbed and plundered. They are all of them snared in holes and hidden in houses of bondage. They have become prey with no one to deliver them, a spoil, and with no one to say, Restore them. No one to say, Restore them. And he goes on in verse twenty three. Who is there are among you who will give ear to this and who will listen and hear in the time to come. In other words, he's saying the people are in bondage and they're in holes and they're in houses. He says, but I need somebody who will open up their mouth and say, yes, there's been those that they've seen it, but they hadn't really seen it. They've heard it, but they hadn't really heard it. He says, can I find anybody who will really listen to what I'm saying? And what am I saying? I want to do a new thing. It's not new to God, but it's new to us. And the new thing is restore. He says, but I need somebody who will say it. Go back to Mark chapter 5. What did the lady keep saying? What did she keep saying? Kept saying, if I only touch his garments, I shall be restored to health. The prophet Isaiah said, I need somebody to restore. And this woman was fed up. And what did she say? If I keep touching the, his garment, I shall be restored to health. Let's keep reading. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood was dried up and the source and suddenly she felt in her body that she was healed of her distressing ailment. And Jesus, recognizing in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around immediately in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples kept saying to him, You see the crowd pressing hard around you from all sides, and you ask, Who touched me? Still he kept looking around to see her who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had been done for for her, though alarmed and frightened and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith, notice this, your trust and confidence in me springing from faith in God has restored you to health. What did her faith look like? She heard and she said restore. And it was her faith that restored her to health. But she had to see it. She she had to get fed up that she was willing to press through the crowd. She was willing to do what nobody else did. So we see tonight David encouraged himself in the Lord. We see that he inquired of the Lord. We saw that the enemy is the one who's killing, killing, stealing, and destroying. We see that it's God's will for us to restore. God is raising us up, hearing that it's God's will to restore, believing it's God's will to restore, saying that it's God's will to restore, and we walk in restoration. Hallelujah. So homework, consistency is key to breakthrough. Daily thinking about your restoration. Daily believing that it's God's will to restore your life. I don't care how off the wall that seems. I don't care how big. I don't care how difficult it is. Uh, Nothing is too hard for our God. We've got to start seeing it. We've got to start believing God's word and God's will to restore. We've got to start saying, restore, restore. God is saying, did I find anybody who's willing to hear Have I found anybody who's willing to say, say what? Restore. 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 I want to encourage you to keep living by the sword. Are you doing everything you know to do? Keep living by that sword. Remember, it's come at you one way. You get it back going out of your mouth, so it's two-edged, right? You're on a mission. You're on an assignment. Grow restless. Get fed up, and let's take back what the enemy has stolen from us in the body of Christ. Did you get anything out of the Word tonight? Father, we just love you so much and we thank you for your faithfulness. And Father, I declare restoration over this body of believers. I declare restore in their families, restore in their businesses, restore in their physical bodies, restore in their minds, restore in their inner world. Restore, Father, I declare restore. Restore the joy of our salvation. Restore. Father, we receive this word. The days of heaven are on the earth. Yes. And that's us walking in complete restoration. Yes. And we give you the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Joseph.